week for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As always, Elise Menneker here, your host, alongside Cubs reporters, Tony Andraki and Andy Martinez. Good to have the gang back together. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too. Yeah, it's good to be here, Elise. And it's also good to be here because we're spicing things up here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We have some new segments we're throwing out there this week. And one of them is always my favorite. I'm kidding. It's trivia. I'm awful at trivia, but that's what we're starting with here today. (laughs) So to kick things off, Tony, you have our first trivia question. So Andy and I... Andy, I'm a big Jeopardy watcher, so I'm, okay, I've been oh, looking great. forward to this. All right, you guys can team up on this one. So okay. you guys, you guys get all five answers, then you guys win collectively. <laughs> great. Um, so I was looking up Kyle Hendricks, catcher's ERA, like his ERA with certain catchers behind the plate. Okay. So minimum of two games, who does he have the best ERA with behind the plate? Minimum of two games, because there were a few guys that were in there that I didn't want just one game. Um, so, so all time, gonna, what'd you say? All time or just the season? All time. So like all Tony time. Walters, Taylor Teagarden, Chris Jimenez, uh, Kyle Hendricks had good ERAs with all three of those guys, but they only caught one game for him. So I wanted, I was looking at guys that caught at least two games with Kyle Hendricks and Hendricks best ERA in those games. Well, I feel like you're, it's not going to be Wilson Contreras because I feel like there's a catch to this. Yeah. You're right. Contreras okay. is uh, seventh on that list. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, Jan Gomes? Jan Gomes is on there. He is number four with a 2.42 ERA in four games uh, so far. So he, Jan Gomes is four. I feel like there's like some sort of asterisk because of the minimum two games. Like it's like someone who like is <laughs> only two games in the majors. Uh, I, I included it in part to get Jan on there. And then uh-huh. to get another person on there who was a very notable person to get on uh, catcher's ERA for Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Catcher's? Is it David Ross? Yes. I David was going to say that. Yes. Ross is three. I could have sounded so smart like you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> David <laughs> Ross is three. 191 ERA. Kyle Hendricks has a 191 ERA in five games with Ross catching him. So obviously okay. that was 15, 16 range. Uh, so Ross is three, Gomes is four. So you need one, two, and five still. These are these are a bit harder, uh, but uh, if you want hints, let me know. Uh, we got Montero on there? No, he's not actually. Mm. He is uh, nine. Martin so, Maldonado. No, Martin Maldonado only caught him once. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Two, five, seven ERA, seven innings. Um, I'm really thinking like outside the box. Yeah. Like, what's another hint? Okay. So the number one guy only caught him for two games. It's definitely a more random name. So it's (laughs) going to be really caught for two games. Yeah. There's a Z in his last name. There's a Z in his last name. I feel like that made it harder for me. Okay. Sorry. It's uh, – I'll just give you guys this one. It was the hardest one on the list. Tim Fedorovich. Oh, I would have oh, never Yeah. Like 2014-ish range? I think, yeah, 14. So 142 ERA. Okay. He was, oh, wow. he was the best ERA catcher for Hendricks, the best ERA. 
Uh, so that's number one. You guys have Ross and Gomes at three and four. So number two had three games caught. And the hint there is his dad was a baseball executive. So Alex Avila. Yep. Yep. You win. Good call. And then uh, the last one actually caught 15 games. 15 games. Ooh, this is tough. So Hendricks had a 162 ERA with Avila behind the plate. Number two on the list. Number five here had caught Hendricks for 15 games. I hope, I, I, I want to say really quick, I hope, uh, fans are watching this on video because the faces Elise and I are making are probably like just so beautiful or meme yeah. I feel like our like, first trivia question is going great here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Like clues for all of them. Oh yes. man. And you by the way, plug here, you could catch the video out on YouTube. On YouTube yeah. there, you go. There, you go. App. there you go. Yep. Yeah. Let's look at my um, confusion and face a defeat. Um five. you said 13? so it was early in Hendrick's career. So 14. <sighs> 15 games. Hendricks had a 299 ERA. So 2014, 12 games came in 2014, three came in 2015. I, I uh, honestly am stumped. I have no idea. What Wellington is- Castillo. Wellington Castillo. Ah. Oh, beef Wellington. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so Hendricks had a 299 ERA in 15 games with Wellington, Wellington Castillo behind the plate. So the top five, Tim Fedorovich, Alex Avila, David Ross, Jan Gomes, Wellington Castillo. And then it gets into Miguel uh, – wait, no, sorry, Montero was ninth. Then it gets into Victor Caratini, Wilson Contreras, oh, yeah. Rivera, and Miguel Montero. I was surprised nobody guessed Caratini. Yeah, I'm surprised. When you said that, I was I, like, I kind of forgot about Car- Caratini. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's on me. I was thinking like – I was thinking like 15, 16 range because that's when he was like at his peak. So I figured – some of his best numbers would have been in that range. I feel like I threw out some names and I was, I was kind of, I, that was it for me. I gave my best (laughs) guesses and then every name left my head and that's trivia for you, but we're going to do this every week now. So you can watch us try to guess, listen, whatever you want to do. We are here for your entertainment. Um, The Cubs and Tony, Specifically, you have been doing some entertaining things with them, and specifically Kyle Hendricks. Now you're kind of seeing us, you know, bring it all together here. First, that's what you call a transition. There we go. <laughs> Tried my best there to weave through that. Um, you've done a few segments of this. It's now warming, and you've done it with hitters to this point. So you've had Wisdom, Hayward, and Bodie on. They kind of take us through their pre at bat routine, maybe from the on deck circle to the batter's box. But you were able to catch up with Kyle Hendricks. So, first, before we talk about it, let's hear more from the pitcher uh, in this segment. So, let's take you through like day of the start. What's your routine? What time do you typically get to the ballpark in the day you start? I would say day of start, it's maybe about three and a half hours before first pitch, sometimes four. You know, you get the lineup texted to you, so the pregame stuff I did the day before as far as game planning, I'll get the lineup, and if there's like a bunch of changes, a lot of guys in there that I kind of wasn't expecting, I'll have to get to the ballpark just a little bit earlier, go back through some video of the new guys that are in there, make sure I have it locked in and move forward. If I get the lineup and it's pretty close to what I was expecting, it'll be closer to, you know, three and a half hours. And yeah, I come in, show up, pretty much go in and eat right something right away if it's a day game i'm eating breakfast if it's a night game i'm eating lunch you know does it have to be the same thing do you have any superstition no when i was younger maybe it did you know when it was younger uh i was always some kind of sandwich for sure but now i come in and whatever they got the food here is so good so 
breakfast is pretty much a staple. You know, I pretty much eat similar to the same thing. But lunch, you show up and whatever they're offering. Um, but it's a pretty simple plate. You know, I can't get, I'm not eating a ton when I when I show up. It's not getting stuffed, but definitely getting enough in me just for fuel, just so I can go and kind of eating things throughout the day as you go there. So I think it'll be very fun to see the full piece. Now, if you're listening to this before Thursday's game, you can catch this segment on Cubs Live. If you're listening to us after, you can catch it on marqueesportsnetwork.com. So Tony, kind of just give us a synopsis, maybe one of the most interesting things that stuck out to you or uh, just anything that kind of Hendricks told you. Yeah, so I was really excited about this one. I mean, this was something that I had in my mind for a while. I, like you said, at least, you know, we had the, the do-up segment with a couple of hitters, but to get the pitcher, especially in between starts, to get a guy like Hendricks, who is so cerebral, he has a plan in between, and then he's been at Wrigley for so long. So I was curious how his plan in between starts has changed from when he was 25-26 to now at 31-32. And so I thought that was fascinating is how he – has kind of reworked his plan a little bit to, you know, save his arm. He now throws a bullpen typically like day three versus day two in the past. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then just like to be in the bullpen, to hear what he thinks about what he wants to do when he has the between starts bullpen, but also like the day that he pitches, what he wants to do, what he is looking for from his mechanics, what he talks with Tommy Hadovy or bullpen coach Chris Young or Wilson Contreras or Jan Gomes or whoever is catching him. So I, I find that really fascinating. And um, and then also like my favorite part, I think, was towards the end was he just started. He was talking about how before he goes out, it used to be Anthony Rizzo. He would lock eyes with Anthony Rizzo at the end of the dugout and head out to the field. Now, obviously, since Rizzo has been traded, it's Jason Hayward. So Hendricks will lock eyes with Hayward in the dugout notice, hey, everybody's ready to go. And then they all kind of run out together onto the field as a team to start at Wrigley Field. So I thought that was a pretty cool aspect. And it just goes to show like who Hendricks is as a person. He's such a team oriented guy that, you know, it's not about him. He doesn't want to run out there on his own schedule. He wants to run and wait for his teammates. So it was a very like small, you know, quick little bite, but I thought it was very telling for who Hendricks is as a person. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, and you wouldn't notice something as small as that before he goes out onto the field. You kind of just see them all do their thing before they run out there. But to know that um, it's very deliberate on their parts and what they're doing and how they're getting ready. I think this sounds awesome. And like you said, for a very cerebral guy, uh, a good look into what he does, like you said, in between starts and just leading up to it. So sweet. I'm excited for it. I love the segments that you do. I think it gives us a really um, unique look. So again, you can catch that on Cubs live before Thursday's game or on marqueesportsnetwork.com. Um, you also want to catch Nico Horner because he has been really great <laughs> as of late uh, on a hot streak um, and has really just been solid all season long. But uh, as of late, just the numbers uh, really inflated because of all of the, the hits he's getting in the production at the plate. So here's a, a fun stat for you. Um, as of what day is it now? We're on Wednesday. So as of Wednesday, he has five straight multi-hit games, and he's the first Cub to do so since John Jay in September of 2017. And we want to thank Jordan Bastion of Cubs.com for that fun stat. And just to give you an even you know bigger picture of what he's done as of late, I looked up his production in the last week. 565 batting average, 577 on base, a 739 slug, and a 1316 OPS. Andy, I mean, that's, I had to like 
make sure I was writing those numbers down right when I was <laughs> copying those. <laughs> those are what uh, some people might call video game numbers, right? Yeah. Like that is, he has been very impressive. And, and I feel like last time I was on the podcast, we were praising his defense, you know, and, and sure. talked about, and on last week's podcast, I know you guys talked about, you know, outs above average, how he was second at the time uh, in outs above average, the stat cast offensive metric. Uh, in all of baseball, regardless of position. So shortstop, center field, whatever, you name it, he was second overall in baseball. And now this week we're talking about his offense. Like, I mean, I feel like we're we're going to have to have a, you know, we're doing the trivia segment. Pretty soon we're going to have to have a Nico Horner segment the way he's yeah. playing. Just we, Please, I'll, I'll welcome like, that over to Yeah, it's seeming like we have to talk about uh, Nico Horner every time we're on the podcast. Um, he's just, what what was impressive to me too was the, the home run he hit in St. Louis. Um, you know, because we, we know him as the, the contact bat, right? You know, the you know, doubles in the gap or, you know, single the opposite way, whatever, to see him hit a home run in St. Louis, Bush Stadium, I know it's this year, the metrics have said it's it's a very, a little bit more hitter friendly, but traditionally it's not a hitter friendly ballpark. You're not hitting a ton of home runs there to see him do that. I mean, that's, you know, it's showing the, the range of his game for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've just been so impressed with, um, he's using the whole field, you know, he does have a bit more power, you know, like he, after going a couple of years without hitting a homer in 20 and 2020 and 2021, um, you know, he, he's put a few in the seats here, but really since coming back from the IL with that weird freak injury, it's over a month. It was since late May, he's hitting 333 with an 821 OPS and a 6% strikeout rate. He, yeah. He's walking wow. almost as much as he's striking out. And actually, wow. if you include hit by pitch, like free passes, he has eight free passes against only seven strikeouts in over a month of action. It's it's pretty incredible. And actually, uh, Boog Shambi gave the it gave me this really cool stat. Nico is number one in all of baseball in uh, in swing and miss rate. So like nobody in baseball swings and misses less than Nico Horner among like three, at least 300 uh 300 swings. He is the, am I saying that right? Yes. Yeah, nobody I get in baseball. Yeah. Nobody in baseball swings and misses less than Nico like Horner. Incredible. So say that again, the stat. Nico Horner. Sorry. Nobody in baseball swings <laughs> and misses less than Nico Horner. He has the best percentage at making contact. With contact. Uh, lowest, okay. Yeah. The lowest wow. percentage of swinging and missing of anybody else in baseball, minimum 300 swings. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, because I think for me, what sticks out is you mentioned like that freak injury and really what we've seen in years past is a guy who even in the past, he's had some kind of, you know, freak things like a collision in the outfield. Um, but the way he's been able to stay on the field and then to get to see what comes along with that. And I think that's kind of what we've all been waiting to see. And I think that's the, the incredible part. So when you mention stats like that, and I mentioned incredible because the numbers he's able to put up to go along with it, because just because you're on the field and just because you're getting that consistent playing time doesn't always mean that you're going to be consistent. Um, but Horner has been consistent. And then some like we're seeing those flashes of power, even defensively, uh, we get a look at his arm, the plays he makes, the leadership um, that he's also starting to demonstrate out there on the field. So I think for me, it's kind of what has come along with him uh, coming back from injury, staying healthy and kind of learning through that whole process as well. Even if you do want to go back to the last um, year or so where um, he had to kind of work through things and now listening to his body, seeing what works for him. Um, I think it, it's really fun to get to see him out there and he just kind of quietly goes about his business. And I think that's kind of a really intriguing part of him as well, that he um, just is a very hard worker and gets a lot of respect from his teammates. 
and he, the production shows up. And that's of course the most rewarding part of it, that when you can do that, and then you see the numbers, um, you know, he'll always just kind of be there and right now doing that. And that's, that's, a needed in this lineup because um especially when you look up and down it there are guys who can step up and come through um one guy who's done that but he's kind of struggling as of late is christopher morell and so actually talk about tony the contact rate with nico horner um morell can get on base he, he can still get some hits but we're seeing a little more swing and miss from him so um just kind of curious when you think of him at the top of the lineup right now and just maybe um you know impressions of what you're seeing uh has changed or just you know overall on morale yeah so i mean it was a topic brought up to david ross after tuesday night's game and uh after morale had struck out four times and he ross just thinks morale is not quite on time right now which i think kind of makes sense a little bit like they're throwing you know, they have been throwing a decent amount of breaking balls and out of the zone, and he's been chasing a little bit more of late. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, like the first three weeks or so that he came up, uh, he was only striking out. His strikeout to walk rate was like two to one. He was striking out, you know, about two times for every walk. Now, though, in, in June, it's been a little bit different. He's striking out 36% of the time uh, after Tuesday's game, and he's walking only 6% of the time. So this definitely changed a bit here. Um, but, you know, you still see like the kind of magic that he can make happen because he just kind of he had this like soft liner into right center field and Almora and uh, Nick Senzel on the Reds. They both converged on it and either really went for it, ends up dropping for a hit. Morell gets a double, ends up scoring a run. Cubs get three like it ends up being this huge play. And yeah. that's part of what you want him to go through is because one swing in the back can change everything from this kid with his power, his speed, his energy. And then just the fact that like. He's a young kid. He just turned 23 less than a week ago. And you want him to get through those growing pains and learn all of these things at this level. Uh, so I think that's all really important. You know, like the Cubs are almost 20 games below 500 at this point. Like it is about getting guys like Morel that experience and learning to, to find his way through this so that in the future, he knows he can fall back on some of the things that worked for him here to get out of some slumps, to make some more contact, to stop chasing, whatever it may be. So I think it's a really, really valuable time right now for Morel. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to allude to was, you know, I, I thought this was um, almost a more important phase in his young major league career than the hot, hot start he had when he first came up. Um, you know, every every young player, every rookie, every first year player, when they're first up in the big leagues, they're going to run into some adversity, some struggles. It's you know what what may, what separates you know the the guys who come up to the major leagues and only have the, the quote unquote cup of coffee, and the guys who stay are being able to make adjustments, being able to improve their game, being able to adjust to major league pitching. And this is the, this is the point we're at with Christopher Morrell. What, what is he going to do to improve? And, you know, you mentioned that, that little blue pit, you know, that's the kind of hit, uh, you know, that could spark them and get the, get the, get the juices going, you know, like, all right, you know, I got that one underway, you know, after all this, like, let me, you know, this is going to get me going. Um, it's, sometimes it's just those little plays like that, that, you know, to, to, to most fans, it's like, oh, like, yeah, that's a cheap little hit. Like, that's not, you know, what Christopher Morell is. Uh, but to him, like, that's kind of be like, okay, like, you know, that, there we go. We got that hit. Now let's get, let's get a little base knock the other way. Let's get one through the hole. Let's, let's put one in the gap. And, and, and then you see that the offense start rolling from him. And that's what uh, is capable with, with Christopher Morell. And, and, you know, that's the kind of hit that can turn around, you know, a slump really quickly. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, like your first point when you were saying that this can be 
one of the more valuable um, span stretches of his career, especially early on as he's like growing and learning. Because um, I, when I look back at my career, like a lot of the, yes, I'll, I'll remember the highlights, you know, some really memorable moments, but actually it's those moments where I faced adversity and then I came out on the other side or I learned from it. That's what sticks out to me. And so to your point, yeah, I do think that he's uh, growing and learning a lot. And when you do it on the biggest stage and you're doing it in the leadoff position, of course, um, you know, that can be a lot harder and you can probably at times feel a little bit more pressure and tighten up. Um, but I feel like the value that Morel brings, um, even if he's, you know, striking out more, it's it's his presence in that leadoff spot, the consistency that they get with him in the lineup and the intangibles that he brings. You know, Ortega talked about over the weekend during the Cardinals series, just how um, the communication that stems from him at the top, the pitches that he sees, the counts that he can work, and then how that trickles down. And because a lot of the times he will work himself into deep counts, um, even if he is striking out. So you're able to see a lot of pitches when you're those hitters behind him. And so um, for me too, if it's not him at the plate, like we're saying, he can still squeak out, you know, some hits here and there, even if it's not those same clutch hits that we got, you know, early on from him, um, that there's still like the intangible qualities that he can bring to this lineup that I think can still affect it in a positive way. And you'd like to think that at some point it'll all just kind of balance out that you'll start to see like the more contact, the strikeout, and then you'll get and not as hot as he started, but then eventually it all come together. And, um, a really nice player is a really quick bat, you know, um, I like his swing. He's always kind of, I like the adjustments he makes on two strikes. So, you know, he's always, you know, um, in there doing what he can to get on base for his team, especially, like I said, in that first spot. So that's kind of a, a quick recap on some of the highlights or things that stick out to us on the hitting front. Coming up on the pod, we're going to talk about how things are looking on the pitching front and specifically Keegan Thompson, one of the highlights in the rotation. So don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about that coming up after this. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Awkward swing. Thompson disposes of Solano for the second time. Hey, Boog. JD. Here's that slider we were talking about. Man, he threw that one hard. Yeah. It's really big to get some of the performance, the, the starting performances that we've seen out of this Cubs pitching. And I'm talking in particular about Keegan Thompson. We saw him uh, Tuesday night and it was another really nice outing from him. I know that there was, you know, just late um, some hits from the Reds that go through. But if you really take those out and even honestly, even if you leave them in, he had a career high six and a third uh, innings. He gave up four earned runs. Um, but right now he's putting up a three, three, four ERA. He had eight strikeouts in that game. And so when you look at his last three starts, he had nine, seven and eight K's. And so Tony, when you're looking at someone like him, at what point are you saying, you know, you just leave him in the starting rotation because he's showing that he deserves that spot. Yeah. I think he's in the rotation for the rest of this season right now, you know, barring some weird, maybe injury or, um, other situation, you know, but the Cubs as of right now are still kind of configuring things. It's like Hendricks, Steele, Thompson are locked in when Drew Smiley, when Marcus Stroman come back, like figure it out then. 
But yeah, you know, and obviously the trade deadline could impact things, but Keegan Thompson right now is part of the future. He is a going to be a big piece. And we've said that before talking about it on the podcast or just wherever on any of our pre and post shows and articles, Andy and I write like Keegan Thompson's a huge piece of this pitching staff moving forward. We thought for the first month or two of the season that it was going to be as this like long reliever type guy. And that's um, this kind of this title that has a little bit of an insult from like the past, but it's not like this multi-inning weapon is what Keegan Thompson was for the first six weeks or so this season. Now he's this like six inning weapon out of the rotation. And it really is incredible. I mean, he just missed three straight quality starts yesterday when Rowan Wick gave up the homer in relief. So yeah, he's very good. He is a guy that absolutely should be in the rotation for the rest of this year to see what the Cubs have in him. And he's a guy that continues to just grow. Like he's just added this slider the last couple of times out and he got a swing and miss from it Tuesday night against the Reds and a pitch that literally landed in the left-handed batter's box. And he's throwing, he threw the pitch eight times in Tuesday night. He got three swing and misses from it. So he's getting like the decent amount of whiffs, but he's saying he just needs to get in the zone. But it's like, talk about a guy with confidence. He's basically just introducing this pitch. It's getting good results, but he's still not even throwing it a ton. And he's getting overall good results and going deep in a game. So it, it is, you know, it's nice to see. And it's also just nice to see him continue to develop. He's not just resting on the success he's had. He's finding ways to fine tune, to get deeper in a game, to be a member of this rotation long-term. Yeah. And that, that strikeout to, to Donovan Solano was actually the, the one I wanted to highlight. Cause you know, I think he threw the slider a couple of times, maybe at least once before that strikeout. And I remember I was like, was that, was that his curveball? Like, what, like what was that? And then when he struck out uh, Donovan Solano, who, if you don't know, you know, when he was in San Francisco, he had the nickname Donnie barrels for his like incredible contact rate. I know we were talking about Nico Horner's contact rate. Donovan Solano was nicknamed Donnie barrels because of his ability to just, you know, make solid contact. Uh, you know, the guy that didn't strike out a lot to make, to make a guy like him. I mean, that looked it was just a disgusting strikeout. You know, it made him look like a, like a little league hitter up there. You know, he, he threw it, like you mentioned in the opposite uh, batters batters box and got him to swing and miss. Uh, that to me, I was like, wow, that that's definitely, first of all, that's not his curveball. That's definitely a, a slider. And that's definitely a pitch that can be really, really effective. And, and yeah, Tony, to your point, you were mentioning, you know, he, he was this quote unquote long relief option, which, you know, even, you know, a few years ago, long relief was a, you know, a, a kind term for let this guy eat some innings so we can save everyone else. Um, to me, when he was having success in that role, I thought that's something that, you know, could very well be useful, right. Where like, you know, uh, save your bullpen for a day by picking up a save a three, four inning save, whatever. Um, that to me was, I thought would be a crucial role, role for him, but now the more and more, especially these last three times out, you know, I, I, you know, after that Yankee start, it's like, how can you not have this guy in the rotation? He has just been so good. Uh, he has been so effective and, and he keeps hitters, you know, he keeps them literally, you know, on their, on their toes because he can strike you out on, on disgusting pitches that, that he's uh, just adding into, into his arsenal. Yeah, I think he's too giving you, you know, reason and argument to say, leave me in the rotation. You know, he has, he hasn't given enough reasons to take him out of that yet. So to your point, Tony, like, yeah, I mean, until he proves otherwise taking advantage of his opportunities, some injuries in the starting rotation, being able to step up in that situation. And since that rough um, outing in New York against the Yankees has really uh, come on. And I think uh, kind of like what we were just talking about with Morrell. 
and how those, uh, you know, facing adversity, those moments can be the most valuable. You know, there's an outing that a guy has bounced back from and, and is proving now to be consistent after those putting up three good starts since then. And so, yeah, I think he's really fun to watch. You see him evolving, like in front of our eyes, as we talk about him adding that slider in the last couple of starts. Um, and even mentally, I think there's also been an evolution. We talked about in the pod uh, last week, I think it was where he's coming now in with that bullpen mentality. And I mentioned it uh, Tuesday night in the broadcast, how Jan Gomes was telling me just how he's been in that attack mode, the last outing or so, as opposed to maybe feeling like when you're a starter needing to pace yourself, um, that that bullpen mentality is here I am, I'm going to just throw it in there. And that's now kind of how he's approaching his starts as well. And we see that um, with the strikes, he's throwing the confidence is establishing the fastball and even the confidence and being able to throw the slider in a game as David Ross talked about before the game, when you can trust that pitch and you have confidence in it, that right there um, shows that he said that's just a very unique uh, quality and, and trait when you can have the trust in something new like that and, and throw it in the game at this level um it just kind of shows where he's at in his development and i think his determination too to say that i can be in the starting rotation um and i'm going to show people that so um there was also some special moments i'm thinking of wanting to show people that because there are, i'm thinking of someone who showed us something very fun uh over the last week and this is also going to be something that we add to the podcast each week. So we have our trivia segment. So we're going to start with those and then we're going to end with our favorite moments from the week. So we're just going to all pick. I don't know if we're all, I have a feeling we're all choosing the same one, but maybe not from this past week. So Andy, I will start with you. What are you going with? So I was trying to, so I kind of figured all right, we're, we're going to go in the same general direction. So I'm going to try and go. You know, I'm not, while you guys are zigging, I'm going to try and You're zag. throwing us a curveball. Uh, All right. I'm going with Rafael Ortega. Um, very, okay. very impressive, uh, you know, what he's been doing. I felt like, um, you know, last year he was one of the, you know, everyone talks about Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom, justifiably so last season. Rafael Ortega was just as good as, the, as those two guys last season uh, and, and in the leadoff spot against right. He's having success. And he kind of struggled slowly out of the gates and wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And just recently, he has just been on a tear, he's, you know, He's been playing really well. I looked up his numbers in the last seven days. You know, I think behind Nico Horner, he had the, the second highest OPS uh, 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 on the Cubs, um, 1,100 OPS. Like he is just, he's just turning into the hitter that we saw last season. I, I, I think that's what was most impressive to me and seeing if he can continue that and how he can continue that will be uh, what I've noticed last week and what I'm looking forward to this, this upcoming week. Yeah, you know, to that point, Andy, is uh, the double that he had in Tuesday night's game. It was a good swing, but it was a pitch that was like inside. Yeah, it was like six inches off the yeah. plate and he just turned on it, spun, hit it off the wall in right field. So, yeah, he definitely seems locked in right now. Uh, for me, what I'm going with is Adrian Sampson on the call on Sunday. Uh, oh, yeah. So while he was on during the, what was it, the fourth inning, right? The Cubs rallied yeah, and came right. back from down 5 nothing. They scored five runs. Samson was on the whole time with Boog. And, um, and I just thought, you know, it was, like, so cool to, to, like, have that moment. And it reminded me of earlier in the year when Kyle Hendricks was on the call and with uh, Boog and Sutcliffe right. in San Diego and Alfonso Rivas hit a homer. So it seems to be good luck whenever Cubs pitchers join the broadcast in the middle of an inning, uh, especially if the Cubs are at the plate. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. 
Candace Parker, too, is now venturing into that territory. She yeah. joined the broadcast oh, yeah. last night when the Cubs started to make their comeback, put a little yeah. rally together. Um, so I was wrong. We're, we all did not <laughs> go in the same direction. Um, okay, and now I'm even doubting, was this in the last week? I'm going with David Robertson's at bat. Am I now going past a week? That was during the Pirate um, series. Did I cheat a little bit? I think bit it was here? Thursday, so I think it was in the last week. Ooh, so I kind of just like got you it. were like right on the cutting edge. All yeah, right, yeah. all right, I'm going with it. <laughs> it counts. So, okay, great. Because I thought we were all going to say that. Clearly, we did not. Uh, but that is my choice for my favorite moment from the last week, just to see the joy on his face, a kid out on there on the field. He always has fun, but in that particular moment, just having his first plate appearance, his big, first big league plate appearance his first plate appearance since high school so um really really fun cool moment and so this is kind of a fun segment that we'll do now every week and whether it's uh the past week our favorite storyline or even like andy you mentioned with ortega you want to see this upcoming week as well that's kind of how we're going to finish things off so we hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod in Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form to see our faces during trivia on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube for Tony and Drackey and Andy Martinez. As always, a pleasure, guys. See you next week.